everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. First ponies. There is something magical about your very first pony. So Lynn, to get us started, I would like to read a poem to you. The poem is by Shel Silverstein. Do you know Shel? I don't. Okay, so Shel is, he's a famous children's author. He's written books like The Giving Tree, Where the Sidewalk Ends. Anyway, he's famous. I was reading Trixie Belden. Oh, exactly. So probably for you, that would have been a better choice. But Shel is pretty well known. So here is his poem. It's called Little Abigail and the Beautiful Pony. There was a girl named Abigail who was taking a drive through the country with her parents when she spied a beautiful, sad-eyed, gray and white pony. And next to it was a sign that said, for sale, cheap. Oh, said Abigail, may I have that pony? May I please? And her parents said, no, you may not. And Abigail said, but I must have that pony. And her parents said, you can have a nice butter pecan ice cream cone when we get home. And Abigail said, I don't want a butter pecan ice cream cone. I want that pony. And her parents said, be quiet and stop nagging. You're not getting that pony. And Abigail began to cry and said, if I don't get that pony, I'll die. No child has ever died yet from not getting a pony. And Abigail felt so sad. And then she got home, she went to bed, and she couldn't eat, and she couldn't sleep, and her heart was broken. And she did die, all because of a pony that her parents wouldn't buy. That's terrible. I know. That's how you're starting our podcast? Yes. (laughs) The point is, all parents should buy the pony. In 2017, the Equine Chronicle published an article by... Kylie Crawford called My First Pony. And there were some precious stories about that. And if you want to, you can go to the Ecrine Chronicle and look up the stories. But it inspired this episode on the Horse Industry Podcast. And I love how the article ends. So I'm going to read it to you. Quote, There is certainly something very special about the unique bond between a child and a pony. They teach each other so much. Unconditional love, how to overcome frustration, and how to successfully navigate through life while balancing work and fun. There's no limit to what these tiny teams can accomplish when they work together. So I also found an article by The Spruce. It's called Frequently Asked Questions About Buying a Child's First Pony. So the article poses some questions and the article provides some very professional, rational, and logical advice. We'll share with our listeners what the question is, then you and I can give our own perspective, and then we'll share the advice from the article. Oh, I like this. This will be fun. Okay, so this makes sense. All right. So the first question that the article says that should be asked is, when should I buy a pony for my child? Duh yesterday (laughs) as soon as they can wobble in the barn and climb underneath it and get stepped on all kids need a (laughs) pony okay but the article's advice is is your child old enough for a pony is your child physically ready to care for and ride a pony there's little doubt your child will not be 100 responsible for looking after his or her pony most of the burden will fall to you so gina 
I have to admit that I'm still a bit thrown off by your poem. (laughs) (laughs) You purposely (laughs) threw that at me without a warning. And I'm just still, I'm still in shock over that. And it's so sad that I'm laughing. And then next of all, like you're reading these questions to me so seriously, but truly horse people aren't logical. We don't think anything through. We react. We want a pony. We buy a damn pony. Amen. And truly, if we were responsible adults, we'd forget the pony and buy them a sensible, well-broke, really nice gelding horse, (laughs) not a pony. So throw me the next question because I am still not recovered from the poem. You're reeling. Well, and to our listeners, I did that intentionally because I knew Lynn would not anticipate the end of no, that poem. No, I thought it was going to have a happy ending. No. I thought, okay, I assumed that these parents were like us and they would cave. Have you ever heard the, the quote, it's like having children is being pe- like pecked to death by chickens? <laughs> And that's totally how my boys raised me. They pecked me to death like a chicken, and I gave in on everything. (laughs) I mentioned Rachel Sackrider during our fashion episode. Or I will mention her in our fashion episode, depending on when these episodes are released. But Rachel once described me as YOLO. YOLO. You only live once. Oh, I like that. Yeah, she calls me a YOLO mom. I think that you and I both live life like that for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely okay. YOLO. YOLO moms. Okay. And so as a YOLO mom, had I seen that quote unquote sad gray and white pony on the side of the road with a cheap sign, it would have gone in the back of the truck or the car then. It'd be home. In fact, I'm pretty sure, how many ponies does your mother still have? One, two, three, four, five. Do I stop counting? Yeah. She's got a lot of ponies and Gina's yeah. a middle-aged woman. Yeah, I have a couple in my backyard. <laughs> my little sister's pony, her mm-hmm. lifetime pony, mm-hmm. it died when my sister was 45. Do you know that pony? <laughs> Mom has one right now at my house that was born in 1988. Her name is Netherland Romer. She was born in 1988, and this is now 2021. Yeah. 31, I think. No. Yeah. no I can't do the math. Can't do We're not good at math. No. It's old. Okay. Pretend like we didn't try to do that math. Either way, Nether is very old. So anyway, I apologize to my beloved co-host, Lynn, for throwing that poem at her. (laughs) If you could have seen the look on her face when I finished, (laughs) and then I started asking her questions. Okay. I think I'm back on track. I think I'm recovered. Okay. All right. So here we go. So again, the first question was, when should I buy a pony for my child? And our response is yesterday. And I my response was never a pony, get him a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and the final response is if you're even asking that question, don't even bother cuz it should already be done. Okay. <laughs> so the next question is are there good reasons not to buy a child's pony? No, there's never a good reason not to buy the pony. You buy the pony. Yeah, the only people that don't buy pony are lazy parents. Absolutely. That and- don't want to go to the barn. Absolutely. So the article's advice is, and I'm doing my professional, you know, logical, rational voice here. Yes, there are good reasons to not buy the pony, of which I am not even going to share with you what the article said because they don't matter. There is no reason not to buy the pony. Absolutely. You need the pony. Everyone needs a pony. A dog, a cat. Well, and that typically goes with it too. You buy the pony after you've already got the cat or the 10 barn cats and the barn dogs. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. at my house, we have ponies, Brahma chickens, a hedgehog, a guinea pig, three house dogs, two house cats, 
think there's something else. Oh, the bearded dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is a nice segue into the next question. I can't buy a pony. What are the alternatives? Okay, here's my response. There are no alternatives. That guinea pig that I mentioned, it's a pooping machine. The thing never stops pooping. There's poop everywhere. Don't buy the guinea pig. Bearded dragon, super cool, not much personality. Cat, too independent. Dog, I can't argue here. All dogs are cool. Yeah, dogs are good. But I'm going to comment on the hedgehog Mm, that lives in the basement with no personality. What is that? It was an experiment. Whoa. It has a good life. For a hedgehog. It doesn't even move or no. talk or breathe or no. like that hedgehog is a disappointment. It, 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 it was a disappointment. So, okay, we're going to move past that. Yeah, we've got to move on. This yeah. is about the horse industry. It is. And the article's advice of are there alternatives to a pony is <clears throat> if you can't buy a pony, there are still lots of ways your child and you can enjoy working with and riding or driving ponies. No, not really. You either got to have it or you don't. No. And thinking about our childhood, do you remember we used to take boxes like we would take boxes and draw stalls on the boxes and then Dagny Horning used to give us like her old horse magazines Mm -hmm. and we would cut out the horses and we would so I mean even until we I think we had the pony in the barn and we were still doing that we ate lived breathed ponies and I think that there is that distinction between children I think that you're either horse crazy or you're not horse crazy. So I don't want to be a voice of reason here, but I do think in some instances that there are kids that are just absolutely horse crazy, and that's going to carry on into an adulthood. And then there's kids that mm, can take them or leave it, but the parents are horse crazy. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. My mom, I'm an only child, obviously, and my mom lucked out because I was absolutely born with that horse gene. And then you and Kevin really helped inform me about what's possible out there with horses and horse showing when I was a youth. I have two daughters, two beautiful, wonderful daughters. My oldest daughter, she enjoyed it. We had some lovely, wonderful times together, and she loved her pony, but she just didn't have that burning obsession. Now, my youngest, she has it. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's either, you, it's innate, or you don't have it. You can still enjoy it, you may not have that burning desire. Okay, so here's a good question. Next question. What are the qualities and characteristics of a good child's pony? So here's my response. (laughs) It has to be patient, hard-mouthed, will knock you off with a tree limb, but won't finish you off by standing on you and may even run home to get help. (laughs) So Gina, Gina warned me that I have to be careful when I use the term Shetland because there's very nice Shetlands. ASPC, American Shetland Pony Club. All right. I don't have experience with the fancy purebred Shetlands, but what I do have experience with is the purebred barnyard Shetland. The one that has long hair year round. The one that runs you through the clothesline and knocks you off by your neck as you hang from the clothesline. The one that runs as fast as it can, slams on the brake, puts its head down, chomps on the grass, and you come off over its neck. And then you can't pick up the reins and lift its face 
off the grass. It also has a neck that's as thick as its belly, right? <laughs> and the endless. But you know what? At the end of the day, even though those little naughty things do that, you just love them. You just, they just, they throw you off and they make you dirty and bloody and you cry, but you still love them. We didn't have another option as a kid either. True. There was no social media. There was barely any television shows to watch. We didn't have Wi-Fi and iPads no. and all that. So we basically had a pony in the summertime with neighbors few and far between. Yep. So what did we do when that pony stuck its head in the grass? Mm -hmm. You grab a hold of the mane and climb up its neck uh -huh. and turn around and get on it. Uh -huh. And you've tried to drag the reins up with you so that you can pull its face up and kick it at the same time. And off you go again. And then the tree branch will take you off. Oh, I have even better one. Lynn and I grew up across the cornfield from each other. And Lynn's younger sister and I were close like Lynn and I are close. And it was my job to make sure that Teresa and her pony got from grandma's house back to my house. And so I was on my pony going through the irrigation lane. Did you really check on her? No, I never looked back. <laughs> and Teresa was behind me on her pony. And we're going through. And by then, Teresa had totally irritated me for the day. So not only did I not pay attention, but I really couldn't have cared less if she made it. But either way... and. Dot, dot, dot. She is still alive, so she does survive. She's quite successful in life. Very, very I, successful. I think that truly was good training. It was. <laughs> so I'm going down the irrigation row, and she's on her pony totem, and I hear... Good sound effects. Thank you. Um, Teresa didn't make it to my house. <laughs> the pony went home. That's also the pony that never took a left lead. Ever. Ever. Well, okay, and so I'm going to read you, like, that fits in. It's a perfect segue to something that I looked up. So Gina and I had initially intended to do the history of Pintos. Which we will. And we were going to do that, but we were going to do the history of Pintos. And I just got sucked into the – I looked up Pinto ponies, and then I looked up Indian ponies, and then I found this, and I couldn't stop. So here's a definition of an Indian pony. An unimproved, typically small, hardy, vigorous, not especially graceful horse <laughs> of Western North America, descended from stock, introduced by the Spaniards, blah, blah, blah. Okay, not especially graceful. Like, my pony, so this was a step up. Like, I went from Shetland to another spotted pony that I don't know, I think he was not purebred barnyard Shetland. I mm -hmm. think that he was some other, maybe he was more Indian pony. Was I don't that know. stubby? It was stubby. Okay. It was stubby. And despite the name and the things that it makes you conjure up in your <laughs> mind, stubby was a beautiful pony that I truly enjoyed. Yes. I think he counter cantered his entire show ring <laughs> career. And what is so surprising about that for me is that I won pleasure classes with Stubby. So how bad were the other ponies? <laughs> oh, well, back then, Western pleasure was not falling off. I think so. In yeah. the pony classes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you could get your correct lead and go in the correct direction. And I think as long as he was in the right lead in the front, maybe they didn't pick up that he was not oh, on the right lead, lead behind. <laughs> but you know what? At the end of the day, we loved Stubby. Actually, before I had my very first pony of my own, I took Stubby in a walk trot class and I got second place, just so everyone knows. If you'd like to see the ribbon, I'm sure I have it somewhere. I know. We're going to actually... So we really want you to be interactive with our Facebook page. Yes. So we are when the time is right we're going to post pictures of our ponies yes. on our facebook page and we want you to post pictures of your special ponies and stories give us stories Absolutely. about your ponies good and bad 
Yep. Yep. We want to hear it because they made us who we are as horse women and horse men. Okay. So the next question is, where should I look for a pony for my child? Not the Amish. <laughs> I'm glad you had a response because literally I have no notes on this. Well, and I sh- that's unfair because... I mean, maybe the Amish is not a bad place to look for. And in our community, we have a lot of Amish, and I love my Amish neighbors, mm-hmm. but they tend to cycle. The, they'll go pick up those starving, rejected little ponies that have already tried to kill 13 children Yes, and try to rehab them mm-hmm. and then sell them down the road to the next person. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that's the best place to go. I don't know where the best place to buy a pony well, is. Well, you know, it, I think it really depends on the kind of pony you're looking for. So obviously, POAs, POA circuit is... That's like a little horse. They're it is. Those and are nice. it's, that's very competitive, very lovely, lovely animals, very high dollar. There, there are POAs, which are Pony of Americas, for those of you that don't know, that are ponies that cost as much as or more than some of the pleasure horses in the industry. So... If you want that level of pony, you go POA. Then there's the, as we mentioned, the Barnyard Shetlands. Then there's the ASPC Shetlands, the Driving Shetlands, which have some hackney in them. Then there's hackney ponies, quarter ponies, grade ponies. There are ponies that are literally just short horses that are wonderful. In fact, a few years ago there, well, it's probably been more than a few years, but there was a pony called I Am Truly Special. And she went to the Pinot Nationals and literally won everything. This was, I think she was like a loud Overo, brown and white Overo. She literally went into like the champion of champions, Western pleasure class and beat the other Western Pleasure Horses. I mean, she was truly special, as her name indicates. And really what she was, a short horse. She just didn't hit that 56-inch mark. So trying to find a pony, where should I look for a pony? Oh, my gosh. They're everywhere, and they're nowhere. Yeah. And so we actually, we really, and only because my husband was a horse trainer that we could do this, but we literally drove by an Amish pasture one day, and we saw this really cute little halflinger out in the pasture. And so my husband pulled in. It was a rainy day. He knocked on the door, and he said, do you want to sell that pony out there? It was a two-year-old, and they're like, well, as a matter of fact, it's going to the sale barn tomorrow. I'll take $150. Oh, geez. So for $150, we brought this, and she was she beautiful, is. halflinger home. Yes. And they'd cross, like, halflinger sometimes can be heavy, heavier draft crossed, and this yeah. one was more crossed with a riding horse. And she anyway, was fine-boned. She made a lovely pony for our boys, mm-hmm. and every show we went to, somebody wanted to buy that pony. That's yeah. how desperate people are, families are, to find safe, gentle ponies for their families. Absolutely. And she's still in the family. She is still Roxy in the family. Rose. Roxy Rose. She's very special. Yep, yes, she is. Okay. Oh, the article's advice on that question where you should buy your pony. There are no pony shopping plazas, and you won't find ponies. Ponies at the mall. The article tells you types of ponies to shop for, but that's really all they share. They don't know either. They don't know where to find ponies. No, ponies are hard to find. They've obviously been traumatized at some point by ponies too. Okay, the next question. This one's loaded. How much will a pony cost? My response, nothing and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah. The article's advice is cost is probably going to be your biggest hurdle. A diminutive size, did I say that? Sure. Doesn't guarantee an equally diminutive price. 
We're going to leave that in the podcast just because it shows that we're human. (laughs) In fact, good ponies can be pricey, and they can. You know, if you get online, you can look at some jumping ponies that are ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and then you can find a little backyard pony that's one hundred and fifty bucks. And when we say they cost nothing and everything, they cost. They can be cheap, but then they can grip your heart and your. supporting them the rest of their lives. And just remember, you get what you pay for. Amen. Amen. Excellent advice. All right. But do you remember, so these fat little ponies that we had with no withers? Oh, yeah. Do you remember the bareback saddle? Oh, yeah. (laughs) The bareback saddle. Like, I could not wait one year to get the bareback saddle for Christmas. And so, like, the strap, the nylon strap that goes with the bareback saddle that kind of slips around. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I wasn't really strong enough to fasten that thing tight. So I went from... If I wanted to ride, I had to ride bareback because I couldn't quite throw the saddle up there and get it to fasten myself. And Gina's mom was working and wasn't always around to help me. And my mom never went to the barn. So I learned to ride bareback. And then... Came the bareback saddle. That thing was a death trap. It was a death trap. <laughs> it was a death trap. You were guaranteed to end up underneath your pony at a gallop through the cornfield. There's no way that thing was going to stay up. No. I think they still sell them today. Right? That's dangerous. Like, somebody needs to put a warning label on the bareback saddle. That is not safe. No. <laughs> okay, next question. What should I do when I think I found the right pony? Buy it and don't look back. Yeah, write a check. Get it, it. Take it home. It. Okay, now here's the article's advice, and you'll have to imagine me doing an eye roll. Of course, your child and perhaps you or other family members will want to get a pony right now. And you might worry that if you don't act quickly, you might miss out on a great deal. You will, just as a side note. But as the old adage goes, haste makes waste. And you don't want to jump into a purchase that might not be the right thing. Take a deep breath and read what you should do before trading your money for a pony. Okay, completely disregard what the article says. That's not correct information. Buy the damn pony. Buy the pony. Move on with life. Work through the pony. And truly, I'm going to say it's character building. Like, we did not have world champion ponies. Actually, Gina ended up with some really high-quality ponies in her career. So Gina started with... Through my mom. Yes. Gina really started out rough and then really actually ended up with some really high-level, beautiful ponies. But we built character. It did. And so when Lynn talks about starting rough, I have to give credit to Buttercup. So I got to share a little of information about my Buttercup. So my first pony's name was Buttercup. I was eight years old. And she, I think she was about my age when I bought her, which I thought was pretty cool. She was 54 inches tall. I bought her from an older 4-H'er named Colby. Buttercup was a Palomino. And she was a classic Palomino. In the summer, we kept her in, so she would have the darker dapples. In the winter, she looked almost white. But she had this very small brown spot on her neck, about an inch long, and I always said that was her birthmark. She was, to me, the most beautiful pony in the world. Actually, she was probably the most beautiful living creature in the entire world. And like most girls, I spent hours with Buttercup. I handmade a side for her stall. She received the most thorough bass before a show. Granted, this is back in the 4-H days where judges would dig in a mane or lift up the tail to make sure they were clean. She always, always was clean. Every inch of her was sparkly clean. I remember the day 
when she got her first set of shoes and I thought that we had like totally made it in the horse show world because she that had was shoes. a big deal for us when we got shoes on it our was. horses. And I'm not really even sure that they were it was a quality shoe job. Probably not. But we did have clip clop shoes on our horses. Amen. Matt Moore, thank you for being an awesome farrier to my horses at the barn. But yes, so I would walk Buttercup around and I would lift up her foot and put it in the dirt so that I could see the shoe imprint. It was a big deal. I can't begin to tell you how many times Buttercup dumped me, how many times she walked over me and made me cry. She didn't lope. She cantered and she cantered fast. And let me tell you, Gina ugly cried at that age. Oh, She had really big glasses and oh, buck teeth. It was, it was an 80s. ugly cry. It was early. <laughs> I ugly cried because I was really ugly. <laughs> well, the, and the pony wasn't perfect, no. but it got better. It, it, you know what? Again, Buttercup. Gina fixed her teeth. I did. And got contacts. Twice. Contacts <laughs> once. Braces twice. Okay, can we go back to Buttercup yes. and how fast okay, she was? All right. All right. So I think Buttercup thought that a Western pleasure class was actually a racetrack because she always tried to pass the horse in front of her, but she never found the front. So we kept going around and around. And it's amazing she never had the found the front because she always had her head so high up in the air. I, there was no headset there. <laughs> but Lynn, she was one in a million. Eventually, Buttercup and I figured things out and we won champion overall showmanship trophy at the fair. She slowed down for the pleasure classes. No matter how many donuts I was told to do by our 4-H leader... Was it circle right in front of the judge? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Maybe you circle the judge. Yeah. Like yeah. circle right in your forage leader, circle right in front of the judge so they don't miss you going fast. Even though there's three people in the pen. Yeah. So eventually I was able to convince Buttercup that I was the boss and, or maybe it's just because I got bigger and stronger and she got older, but either way we figured it out. Buttercup never left our farm and true to who I am, she is buried at my mom and dad's house. So that's my quick tribute to Buttercup. And like Lynn said on our Facebook page, we are going to share pictures of Buttercup, Stubby, Lucky. Yeah. Are you going to tell a story about breeding Buttercup? (laughs) Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Okay, you guys. So again, we loved our horses. And again, we were we were 4-H. We were beginners. Like we really didn't know the true what a true quality animal should look like. But we knew Gina knew that she loved Buttercup and she wanted to reproduce. She wanted those same genetics in a foal. We love Buttercup and Buttercup was beautiful. And so Buttercup obviously was a pony. And so we tried to find a very short, shorter high-end stallion within reasonable driving distance with a trailer made in 19 early 80s. Because back then, you didn't go very far with your horse trailers. They were basically tin boxes. And so we bred Buttercup to a gorgeous stallion named Touch of Flash. I'm so sorry, Garth Gooding. (laughs) Touch of Flash was a stallion that the Goodings, I'm sure it was Garth's dad back then. Barry Gooding stood. Yeah, yeah. And he was truly beautiful. And they were very kind to us when we brought Buttercup. And she was bred to Touch of Flash. And we had a pony out of Buttercup and Touch of Flash. And his name was Butterbar Flash. So where do you suppose, where do you suppose, like when you dropped off Buttercup at the Goodings (laughs) 
farm. Yeah. What stall? Do you think they had her right up front? Do you think they might have put her out back? Like, where do you suppose they kept that high-class pony to breed to their stallion? They probably looked at each other and said, it's a stud fee. Yeah. And being a starving horse trainer's wife, I get it. They needed the pony. Yeah. Why would they reject Buttercup? Yeah. So that was my first, that was my first exposure to the Gooding family. And they were very nice to us. And truly, when I was, when I was a kid, and in my world, Buttercup was the most beautiful creature ever, and we bred her to their stallion. I was certain that they would probably want to feature the baby in a magazine and, <laughs> and give a shout out to me that I bred Buttercup to them because I thought Buttercup was the best in the world and their stud was the best in the world. We were so naive and we, we truly so, believed that. We did. But it was a happy memory. Thank you to Barry Goodings and his son, Garth, on making a little girl's dream come true. Because we really love that baby. We have had so much fun reminiscing and recording this issue of our podcast. And I'm laughing right now because I'm still thrown off by Gina's poem. Sorry. So, so bad. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, we truly hope that you enjoyed this episode. And we hope to do many more for you. And I hope that every horse person that listened to this episode today has a story that comes to mind of their first horse or their first pony. They're worth everything. So have a good week. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.